Civil Sentinel Podcast. The Civil Sentinel Podcast is brought to you by Zavala1836.com. That's Z-A-V-A-L-A-1836.com. If you like all things tactical apparel and stickers, head on over, check it out. It supports the podcast. What's going on, gentlemen? What's What's going on? Glad to be back. This is the Civil Sentinel Podcast. Uh, My name is Jake. Uh, Tito is not with us this weekend. Uh, He is at a wedding. So I got Andy filling in. Uh, Andy is resilient civilian. Uh, You've heard him on a couple times. So Andy, how are you? Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Doing good. Hey, man. Glad you're here. Uh, I always enjoy conversations with you. Definitely. This week... Uh, our guest is Communication Workspace on Instagram. That's his screen name. Uh, we're going to call him Comms throughout the podcast. So, Comms, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, man? Doing all right. How are you guys? Good, man. Uh, Sunday, fun day. You know, I'm down here in Texas. It's kind of, uh, kind of, it's definitely spring now. Uh, spent all afternoon cutting grass and building a chicken coop, getting some chickens. Nice. Nice. There you go. I'm uh, I'm a bit jealous it's spring for you already. It snowed on me today. Really? Yeah. Nothing that stuck, but it was it was snowing sideways for a little bit. Tom's where in the country are you at? Yeah, so I'm out in uh Cali. It's just a little cold, okay. cold right now. Yeah. Nice, not too bad. What part of Cali? East uh uh Yeah, just SoCal, San Bernardino County. Oh nice. Right on, right on. Andy is uh originally Cali boy, he's a transplant like everybody else. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in the Bay Area, moved to Chico, lived there for uh, almost ten years, and then made my escape to Idaho. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I, I'm only going to be here. I spent all my time up in uh, way northern California. We we're near uh, Wairica, which is like twenty miles from Oregon. Okay, nice. So, a different state up there, man. It is not Southern California up there. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. I actually haven't been up there yet. It's beautiful, man. If you ever get a chance to go that far north, check it out. It's worth it. Different world up there. Different people, too. There's such a broad spectrum throughout the state. Like, it's, it really doesn't seem like the same state going from top to bottom. Oh, yeah, no doubt. The landscape and the economy, but also like you, you go meet those people up north. They're more like rural farmers, like the type of people you would find down here. And uh, you're like, this is California. This is odd. It's SoCal, and you got all your, your valley girls and your hippies and beach bums and your <laughs> yes. your thugs. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, it's, it's different. It's different. I love I love me some SoCal though. Yeah. No, I should be moving uh, back to the Midwest here in a little bit, so that'll be good. Right on. Does that mean you're out there for school? Yeah, just just uh, jobs. Just nice. something real quick. Right on, man. Well, uh, Tom's, we asked you on because you are the resident drone expert 
uh, you're in our one of our group chats on Instagram. Uh, a lot of the comms pages are on there. Uh, I know you're familiar with comms, but uh, I'm kind of widening the circle, I guess, for lack of better terms. Uh, we're we're going to leave the comms discussion a little bit tonight. We're still going to talk about it. Uh, it's it's definitely a relative topic, uh, but get into drones a little bit. I'm I'm drone illiterate personally. Uh, I'm very fascinated by them. I haven't taken any time to get to understand them, but uh, I understand you're yeah. a little bit of an expert in that area. <laughs> I wouldn't say an expert, uh, but yeah, like you said, man, like there's definitely crossover. Um. As far as like, you know, it's, you know, RF frequency and, you know, it sends packets over the air and gets controlled and stuff. It's same stuff, line of sight, you know, you can apply comm stuff to, to drones too. I'm really looking in. forward to this, uh, this discussion too. I'm in the same spot as you, Jake. I, I haven't taken the time to really get into them, but I am, I'm fascinated by them too. Yeah. So like, I'm not an expert. I definitely like, uh, definitely into the fpv like hobbyist stuff um been doing that for a while but but more just the hobbyist stuff uh building drones and then uh like trying to get into dji stuff but uh i know like digital alchemy mark three sentinel society socal alfred so those guys like definitely into the dji stuff um and and hacking that firmware and uh using those uh more safely but um yeah, so I, I more in the hobbyist drone stuff, but we can talk, you know, basic basic drones, uh, people trying to get into it. Yeah, for sure. Let's dive into our intro. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, we we covered where you are and what you're into, but uh, talk about comms. What got you into comms? How long have you been into comms? Uh, for that matter, what got you into drones? And how long have you been into drones? And uh, where do you want to go from here? Uh, you got any goals uh you want to talk about uh any projects you're working on any, anything like that uh tell us a little bit more about yourself yeah so you know, just uh just a dude on the internet but started with comms a while a while back for work um just you know uh military stuff and then uh really didn't dive into it until on instagram just running into random people talking about comms and stuff and kind of just rolled on from there um and then like the drones piece so oh man it was like uh 2017 and this uh this video came out it was like um the star wars uh speeder bikes and uh they they took these drones and put speeder bikes on the front and made it look like they were uh going through the, the woods and stuff and like i was like oh that's cool and then like dove even more into it and found out these guys like uh old school dude uh sharpu fpv he was like flying around like abandoned warehouses and it was like you were in the the quadcopters so like from there just immediately got into um bought a qav 250 from like lumineer i don't even think they're in business but like uh just started getting into that and then immediately started repairing drones because that's the FPV hobby is just crashing and, and rebuilding. So, um, <laughs> just, uh, just started fixing that, that drone like crazy. And then, um, you know, got some more drones, got some more stuff and just been having fun with it. And then, you know, like 
they started using drones in, in Ukraine uh, a lot more. And so it just kind of became more relevant. So just been trying to educate myself and, and figure stuff out. And uh, like Instagram, there's a lot of dudes. Like if you just check my page, there's a, a drones highlight, but like uh, so many dudes on there, uh, super helpful, always posting uh, some of the craziest stuff. And uh, if you can find some telegrams of, if you're interested in that, you know, or just hit me up in the DMs. Um, there's some Ukraine TTPs and stuff that they're putting out on, on Telegram, especially for the, the military folk that are interested in that. I feel like a lot of the footage that's been coming out of, uh, out of the war over there in Ukraine has been kind of a driving factor for a lot of people getting more interested in it, trying to see what more can be done with them, how we can, how we can use them. And at the same time, they're just, I mean, who wouldn't really want to fly one of those around? I don't think I'd fly one through a warehouse. I would crash. Dude, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, they're, they're getting used a lot more, and those, those uh, kamikaze drones are now more prevalent than ever. And I was watching uh, a story on Instagram earlier today about kamikaze drones, drones that are coming out of China, and... I'm not sure if they're being used in Ukraine or where. I didn't really dig into the article that deep, but um, I mean, they're manufacturing drones for the purpose of kamikaze, which is <laughs> yeah, um, it, yeah, and it's like not it's not too difficult. So like the iFlight Nazgul that I have, that's a, it's actually a Chinese company, and like it's it's really it seems like it's hard to get away from Chinese product just because every. All of the boards, everything just comes from China, and like, yeah, you could cut your own frame, but it all the electronics are going to come from China, so it doesn't surprise me that they're starting to mass produce those. Um, and it's it's funny to see because like freestyle drones are are typically the best because they have decent range, but they can they can carry a decent payload with the right battery. Um, so they're just like mass producing these freestyle drones to go blow them up are freestyle drones like uh what you see on tv in those drone races where they're like flying through hoops and lights and thinking corners yeah, and well, stuff yeah so i had a post about it and i actually got uh some flack for that the the difference between racing and then the freestyle is like uh freestyle is it's a little more um uh balanced whereas the racing drones meant to go straight forward uh, a little more aerodynamic and then freestyle, they, they take hits a little bit better. Um, I'm sure people will be, there's, there's a lot more differences there, but that's like the general difference is, is, uh, being able to take more hits and yeah. Sturdy. So are freestyle drones like that, are they more like commercial off the shelf or are they custom build? Um, so most, mostly, uh, custom build. Just because, like the DJI FPV, like it's it's a great concept, um, and I think for some applications it's good, especially you know just DJI makes great stuff. Um, but for for like freestyle FPV, like you're gonna crash, and so when you crash the DJI FPV, then you got to send it off and, and get it fixed, and because <laughs> if you s start to fix it yourself, you void the warranty or you know whatever. Um, Oh, that's good. To but know. that's yeah. So that's and that's that's kind of where, um, you know, people are always like, "Oh, what drone should I buy?" Like, "Oh, what radio should I buy?" And it's like, um, 
you have to like look at what you're using it for um and also you know parts like do you think like do you want something that you can repair yourself uh or like that's more technical or do you want something that you can just uh throw up and fly um kind of like that logistics piece but like if you get into like the diy drones you end up spending a lot of money on just spare parts and you just end up having extra stuff all over the place so yeah that's probably one of the most difficult questions to answer that i think a lot of us probably see a lot like like you're saying what what radio should i buy what drone should i buy well that that depends what do you need because there's no there's no perfect answer it, it depends it's met tc <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer actually <laughs> So many people think that answer is a cop out, but it's it's true. Yeah, like there, it one perfect thing does not exist. Dude, there's so many factors to it, and then you know, and everybody, the first thing is like budget, and like I would say, if if you have a limited budget, maybe uh, like building your own drones is probably not. Uh, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of you know going through parts and. <laughs> if you forget to plug your antenna into your VTX and turn it on, you know, that VTX is done and that's, you know, 50 to a hundred bucks out of your, out of your pocket. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, been there, done that. Um, it's, it's just, uh, it's expensive. It's, it's pay to play, but, um, I think building your drones, like in the long run for me, at least it's, it's taught me a lot. Um, and I've been able to, to fix a lot more. What's your average drone cost uh, do, build, doing your own builds? Oh, man. Um, okay, so yeah, back in the day, I think I spent a hundred uh, about two hundred bucks just on the drone. That was the Nazgul, and that's just analog video. And then, and then you start talking about you know different video. Do you want analog or do you want digital, which looks way better? Um, and we can kind of talk that later. Um, oh man, so. Obviously, anybody can look up the DJI prices, but FPV, you know, you're going to need the headset, you're going to need batteries, you're going to need the the actual drone. Uh, you go through props like crazy, so you just plan on buying a lot of those. Um, you can buy a bind and fly though, a, a decent bind and fly for about two fifty. Um, I, I usually recommend to people like a, a success, um, just because you, that's something you can grow into. Um, if you plug in a smaller battery, it still runs just a, a drone. It's just a little less powerful. But, yeah, um, I guess we're, so, we're talking a little bit about, we're talking about quadcopters, right? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, you ever do anything with fixed wing? No. And I do want, I, I saw terminal armament was getting into it. Mark three. So a lot of dudes are taking foam boards and building it out. I need to get some servo motors because I have some spare pieces that I could build. I could just throw a servo motor on the front. Yeah. 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 Just go through all that. Um, so no, I, I don't have experience with that, but I do want to get into that. Um, cause that autonomous flight and being able to like fly something, um, and then not have having anything that's like, you could just fly a flight path like predetermined and then have it come back to you. And then you have all this information collected. That would be 
So uh, back in uh, 2014, I was living in Austin the first time. I guess it was 2015. Um, there is a big flood in Wimberley. And uh, I mean, we got we got like two inches of rain an hour for like probably six hours straight. It was a lot of rain. Um, I think it's the Blanco River goes through Wimberley. And there's these, you know, 200, 300 year old cypress trees that are just massive and beautiful uh, coming out of the river. Uh, well, Wimberley flooded. And uh, there's, there's a, I'll bring the, the drones home here in a second. But uh, the floodplain, flood stage of that river was uh, 40 feet. Um, this flood was like 30 feet over flood stage. It was, it was that big. So it wiped out like everything that, uh, everything on the edge of town that was on the river, uh, everything down the river, everything on the county roads, bridges, all kinds of stuff. Uh, a bunch of people disappeared. Uh, some bodies were found. Some bodies were never recovered. But um, they had uh, a search and rescue team out there flying a fixed-wing drone with a 4K camera. And I don't know how many meg megapixels. Uh, they are shooting still shots, like, super fast. Uh, so what they were doing, you know, they were flying where they could get probably something like a wide-angle lens, but very, very, very high resolution. And just yeah. snapping shots like crazy, still shots. And then they had a program that would stitch all those images together. Um, so they were just flying up and down the river doing this. Um, but it was sending those shots back in real time. And they could zoom down really, 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 really close in those uh, stills that were uh, being transmitted back. And, uh, you know, they could look for, they could search debris, debris piles for bodies or, or trapped people. Or trapped cars. That's what that's what search and rescue was using them for. And I thought that was so cool. I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's a local informant. So he's uh he's based out of San Bernardino here. And uh he, he was doing some of that stuff like with LIDAR, uh creating that 3D imagery. But yeah, dude, like <clears throat> those are so useful for, for search and rescue operations, even and that's why like like DJI, as much as I don't like the company, um, they make some good drones and, and if they assist with that search and rescue stuff and like you said, quoting together imagery and like you could do that, uh, just, just by yourself if you wanted some updated personal imagery or something. Yeah. I think the, the, yeah. the tactical application there is you could use a, a fixed wing drone with that kind of, you know, high resolution wide angle lens and, Go fly a recon route, dude. Go fly a, a pattern over an area. Do an area recon, a, a route recon. You know, yeah, all kinds of when stuff. When they fly for so long, like you get so much flight time out of the the fixed wing because they're so efficient. It's definitely good for that long term stuff. What is the flight time on those quadcopters? Um, since <laughs> I know very little, I, I I know they don't have the greatest flight time in the world, but. What are we yeah, talking about? Uh, every in like so everybody talks about oh you know DJI I should get that because it has a 25 minute flight time and the the freestyle like the quad I fly only has you know six minutes of flight time but that's not 100 percent true either because you have different battery types so like what you typically see with the freestyle drones they'll fly lipos 
Um, but you can, like I, I bought a 6S lithium ion battery and I can plug that into the drone and fly it and I'll get about 25 minutes if I'm flying conservatively and not punching it um, and, and just flying pretty smooth to get video. Um, so it, it's comparable. And that's another thing is trying to get, trying to build a DJI quality drone like by yourself with hobbyist gear is it's you're going to pay astronomically more but there's the the hidden costs in dji obviously like the security and stuff is there uh firmware and all that stuff is that all proprietary yeah so well dji stuff for sure um and then for video um like analog is obviously out in the open like a buffing um and then you have proprietary like walk snails digital it's it's uh super high def trying to compete with DJI and DJI has their own proprietary, uh, FPV video. Um, and then HD zero just came out and that's more, well, not just came out, but they just came out with some newer stuff and they're trying to go open source. So that'll be your open source digital video. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it for, for video. Um, can you encrypt that video? Like you can encrypt voice. (laughs) So HD, there's no encryption and that's where it's like, um, security through obscurity. It's, uh, walk snail. If you have a walk snail video receiver, you can tap into walk snail, uh, video. If you have DJI, you can bind your goggles with the air unit. And then, uh, that's, that's more security. It's, it's not encryption. Um, like any, state actor anybody with enough money could figure out how to get into your video feed but uh, it's kind of like it's, a, it's better uh, than nothing it's um it's like an authentication step yeah yeah pretty much um so it's not out in the clear anybody with you know dji goggles they can't just tune to your channel and, and begin um and obviously analogs out in the open analogs Analog and HD zero are honestly the best for like the more long range stuff. Cause like, as it fizzles out, you can still get some video and still fly. Um, whereas like DJI and the walk snail stuff, it'll just, it'll just block out and it'll just freeze. That makes sense though. You're getting analog. You're still getting incomplete information enough to, uh, still make out what's going on where digital incomplete information. It can't really build that image. Yeah. Yeah, it just stops. But also, like with HD zero, there's another thing is like FPV freestylers like HD zero or analog because of the quicker latency. Um, so there's there's kind of a lag when you're using DJI or Walksnail. So, so what kind of um, what kind of range can you get out of some of those drones? Obviously, it's still going to be fairly line of sight restricted. Um, but what are what are some typical ranges that you're seeing with the equipment you're using? Yeah, so it, it's kind of like radios, you know, like uh, range is is uh, the you can you can range pretty far, like uh, with video, especially on analog. Uh, guys, guys can get out to forty kilometers, but uh, most realistically, yeah, it's, but that's oh, the, on that's the directional antennas. Uh, I've seen one long range dude. Uh, he has a, he has a buddy on a tripod next to him with all his antennas and he's like aiming it at his drone. 
to like get the best signal to, to maintain that site. Um, and then obviously like the further out you fly, the higher you have to fly to maintain that line of sight. So you kind of lose some of that nap of the earth flight. So then how does that relate to like total flight time? Is that like a, uh, is 40 kilometers. If you've got all those directional antennas, if you go out 40 kilometers, can you make it back that far before, <laughs> before the batteries die? Or are you having to land somewhere else that you can go recover it? Yeah, that's where the, uh, a lot of dudes get into the fixed wing and to push it out further than that. Yeah. Like you said, you got to have enough juice to get back to, to make it back. So, um, like a freestyle drone running a line pack that 25 minutes, you could, you could get out a couple clicks for sure. Uh, is that something you can program into the drone? Like if it gets to this certain battery level, have it automatically divert back to where you're at. So it's got enough battery to yeah. get back to you before it dies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> if you get into FPV drones, definitely set, you know, your battery sensors. And that's where telemetry comes in and is super helpful. Cause so like on your on screen display, whether it's in the goggles or it's on your phone, you know, whatever's receiving that video, um, it, telemetry will like put text up there. It'll show you all kinds of stuff. And, uh, it'll show you battery level you can even go down to the individual cells um power com consumption rates um you can have your like rssi signal strength um if you have a gps module on your fpv drone you can have latitude and longitude show up there um <laughs> which is is funny if you're flying over somebody with an analog drone pulling their grids and stuff uh yeah uh no, I was just saying that's where that telemetry comes in, which telemetry is also interceptable, but it's super helpful. It it shows you your power consumption. You can tell with that GPS module, you can also have it like an arrow will point back to where you took off from. So if you do end up like getting disoriented, you, you just pop up into the clouds and then follow that arrow back. So that um, that telemetry you were just talking about could that could that potentially be like a um, a signals intelligence threat? Yeah, that's so like uh, the thing I just posted about uh, and provided no context for, which apologize, but the DJI telemetry. So um, that's how a bunch of dudes were like trying to figure out how DJI Aeroscope worked because this one dude figured out how to build his own and figure out that the telemetry packets were unencrypted, which was like a huge deal because DJI was lying about it. But um, the, basically he built, uh, you can build your own uh, SDR using SDRs and intercept those packets and intercept telemetry. And uh, what they realized was like, uh, it gave up your drone serial number. So if you registered it, then your docs. Um, your not only the drone location and where it's flying in the flight path and all that, but also like the drone operator location and not only the operator location, but also where they took off from. And so just like a lot of info out there, which can be mitigated through, you know, spoofing some stuff, but, uh, DJI didn't let people know that. So it's dangerous. So what, um, what is there like a particular frequency that that telemetry goes out on? Is that something that's within the range of like an RTL SDR or do you need to have something a bit more 
sophisticated than that? Uh, so the, the article that I pulled that from, they were using the Lime SDR. And then to replicate the aeroscope, they were using the Hack RF1. And like, uh, you need to be able to monitor the, the 2.4 gigahertz uh, spectrum. Oh, band. Okay. Um, yeah. The RTLs um, do and what? Then, 1.7, I think. Yeah, not enough. The new Elec SDRs go up to 5 gigahertz. Uh, but you don't, you lose your VHF, low VHF capabilities, which, so, you know, there's some sacrifice there. Yeah, I wonder, actually, something I should probably look into. Because they were using the Hack RF1 to decode some of that stuff, but I wonder if you could do that with your own. I haven't played around that high on the band in with SDR, so I'd like to. I need to figure some of that stuff out. But yeah, I got I got a long list of other stuff I'm working on right now. <laughs> so many projects, man. That's just the way it goes for what our kind of pages do, isn't it? I just wish I had like a hundred thousand dollar budget and like a month off. I would go buy all the stuff that I wanted to buy and just spend a whole month testing. And could you imagine the level of content we'd have available on Instagram if all of us could do that? Oh, I know. No kidding, man. (laughs) When it comes to drones, I'd I'd love to get up to speed enough where I could go uh, drop some dummy targets or dummy rounds, kind of like Wyoming Survival was doing. Did you see that post he made? Uh, Yeah, dude. Yeah. Have you done anything like that? Like, I guess, do you know anything about that triggering release mechanism or or how how to pull that off? Yeah, so uh, th- there's aftermarket ones. The one he bought was for DJI uh, specifically. It's aftermarket, um, and it's got its own. You're limited on range because it's between that servo motor and your little controller key fob that's that's releasing it. So that's really your limitation there. Um, <clears throat> and then you can like, I do want to buy some servo motors. I've been meaning to do this. Uh, so many projects, but if you hook up a servo motor, you can actually control some of them from the, the computer that's on the drone, uh, whether it's a hobby drone or whatever. Um, and what it does is it just like tells it to either rotate this way or that way. And you can like make a latch. Um, I know, (laughs) uh, dudes in Ukraine are, are getting a little more fancy with it. Um, you can apply a couple more servo motors, some locking mechanisms, uh, to make it a little more safer. Um, I'm sure there's been yeah, accidents uh, that we don't hear about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they don't make the telegram. Um, but yeah, it that that helps with that limitation because uh, rather than having it limited by that little key fob, uh, it's limited by the the drone's range. And that if you're running it on 2.4 gigahertz, uh, 9.5 megahertz is is a better band for that long range stuff. Um, but you're at least on par with your drones range. What uh that that leads into another question. What are the bands that those things communicate on? So I know I know you got two two dot four. You got five gigahertz. So you you got some Wi-Fi stuff going on there. Uh, you just said nine hundred. But what bands are controlling what functions on the drone? Yeah. Um. So mainly. Uh, people are looking at 915 for that long range stuff, and then 2.4 is the most common, and then uh, 5.8 for video. Uh, you can also do 
you can also do video on 2.4. Um, I want to say you can do it on 1.2. Um, but I'm like just commercial stuff you can go buy. Yeah. So video, you can do it on 905 and 1.2. Um, the the receivers are where you can get uh, a little creative because they 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 start at 27 megahertz, go all the way up to 2.4, and everywhere in between. And if you go like EU has a different band, I think it's 868, 865, um, and then like your your common uh, 433 megahertz band, you can buy receivers for that. Uh, 27 and 72, you can just get really creative, and the the point there is like um it it alleviates jamming possibility because now whoever is jamming they have to jam all of those bands or or swap between whatever like oh, it, so it just some, creates more problems there's redundancies built in so if you lose one band you have others to to control yeah actually and i need to experiment with that i wonder if you could uh have multiple receivers and be able to switch between them i'm not sure that you can but like if you're running an obscure like if you're in well you shouldn't be but if you're in north america and you happen to be running like an eu receiver then whoever if somebody's trying to jam you then they've got to go through their list of of freaks so if we're um if we're talking about jamming what kind of um like what kind of electronic warfare threats are there for drones? Is there anything that's like uh, readily accessible, readily accessible by civilians or kind of what are we looking at there? Yes. So I've been most interested in like the civilian space. Um, and uh, <laughs> with the, the advent of kamikaze drones, I think like the best solution at this point is another drone. Um, but more commonly a shotgun. Um, but yeah, if you have a drone that could tackle that kamikaze drone, that, that would be a good countermeasure. Um, <clears throat> so shot- yeah, for civilians, it's, it's kind of limited. So shotguns against drones aren't a complete myth. Like that is actually a legitimate consideration. Yeah. And like, so that actually came about cause, um, you know, the start of Ukraine, they've been using drones for observation and those drones have so much standoff. And, uh, I think the Mavic, uh, Mavic two or Mavic three is what they were using with, uh, I want to, it has optical zoom. Um, so it's standoff could be significant and, um, like people were getting lucky shooting at it, but like, you gotta get really lucky. You gotta shoot a lot of rounds. Um, and the shotgun's just not going to reach it at that point for observation. But then now with the the common use of kamikaze drones, um, I mean, like you could you could jam it. You could if you had a uh, a jammer that you could turn on real quick that might do something. But now you're you're at risk of it not working. And um, the kamikaze drone, if you're the target, that's the best way to to alleviate against to protect yourself. Oh, using like. Um netting or something like that as a countermeasure like yeah yeah um yeah they're using that against the lancet uh lancet drones those fixed wing drones um and it's it's not allowing them to get close enough they'll detonate but more on the outside and they can't get next to the armor um so yeah nets nets are good against those fixed wings 
Um, another thing with the kamikaze drones is like they could be point detonation or they could, you know, have that servo motor or be electrically wired to the drone and then detonate that way too. I'm just thinking about like if you're digging in to a location, uh, you're setting up a defensive position and Op 4 wants to come fly around, investigate. I mean, I think the, the best thing you could probably do is is create like a netted buffer around your position. Obstacles that the drones yeah. can hang up on, something like that. Yeah, and like a tree canopy, that that would be helpful. Um, that's that's honestly one of the biggest reasons, because like uh, a lot of people from the Pacific Northwest, they're constantly... They want good surveillance drones, but the canopy limits their ability to take off. So it cuts the the ability for them to use fixed wings. So that's where quadcopters are super helpful. Um, so yeah, like canopy helps. Netting would help uh, if you have enough. Jamming and, and shotguns only do so much. So. so when you're talking about uh, jamming there, are you talking about something with like a, um, a directional antenna or are we talking omnidirectional? Yeah, either or, um, like the case in point, like the Iraq war, they were using omnidirectional and it, they just turn it off to, uh, try and negate IEDs. Um, and, and so that is like a, a way you could kind of protect yourself. Um, but then more commonly, like those drone guns that, that we've been seeing, it's really just, uh, a couple transmitters, you know, transmitting on all the channels. Uh, connected to directional antennas uh, that you can aim, <clears throat> and really what it what it is there is is getting enough power to jam something. And it's it's kind of funny because like so in the FPV hobbyists, like if you're just flying freestyle with your buddies, um, you don't ever power on, uh, especially if you're on the same channel when your buddy's flying because you'll you'll jam him effectively, um, and then he'll just fall out of the sky and break his drone. Uh, so it's like bad juju, but that is essentially jamming. So are the transmitters they're using basically just repurposed drone controllers connected to whatever antenna? Yeah, um, I saw I saw a video of this dude making a Wi-Fi jammer. He was using just like cheap VTXs. I think they were running like 25 milliwatts of power, um, but he just connected them all and like ran them on every single channel. Um, and was able to jam his own Wi-Fi because, you know, for legal reasons. But in Minecraft, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> that's awesome, man. But yeah, if you if you pair up a, enough VTXs, and it, it really comes down to power. Like, how can you? Uh, how do you get enough power to to transmit more than the operator? I guess you have to do something like an inline amplifier at that point which comes down to you have to be yeah have somewhat of uh electrical engineers knowledge and ability <laughs> yeah something something i am not but man can you imagine making like a 25 watt drone transmitter <laughs> <laughs> Dude. that's the dream though right because like that's that is self-defense because you know you got creeps out there i mean the the reality is the the engagements that we're going to be seeing globally from here on out are going to involve drones and other high tech the days of uh conventional warfare as we know it even up 
to and through Iraq and Afghanistan. I think they're over. Like looking at Russia and Ukraine is a prime example. Like look at what they're doing. They're doing some hood rat shit with stuff that you can get from China. Stuff that you can get from Best Buy. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. And uh Yeah, it's definitely it's, we're in a new we're in a new era now, you know? So it's it's up to us civilians, you know, the the just having a shotgun and a rifle and a pistol is not enough for self defense anymore. You gotta start catching up on your comms and uh OPSEC, MCON, uh, you know, start figuring how out how these people are gonna start using these things against you and come up with countermeasures. And yeah. That's what we're here for, right? <laughs> yeah. That uh thermal and IR dude yeah oh yeah i wanted to ask about thermal so what's your what's your field of view on thermal from a drone is it pretty significant uh it depends on the sensor and this so like digital alchemy he has some some experience with those enterprise drones uh some of the other guys out there i think chris france he's gotten some but yeah so it depends on the sensor uh depends on the quality uh the better the quality thermal uh probably heavier um meaning that you got to have a, a larger drone uh, but look, some of the some of the stuff i've seen pretty uh pretty good range and like not to mention the military stuff that we don't even know about yeah no kidding we need to get ethan back on here and talk about some of that Let's see what else what other questions we got I'm going back to our list one that i've kind of had on my mind is um what what's like your opinion on probably like the easiest way for someone to kind of start learning about drones? Like, is there one that's, is there one in particular that is just kind of cheap that might not have the best capabilities, the best range, the best flight time, but it's something that could get you hands on and get you to start learning almost for lack of a better term, like a Baofeng of drones, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I'll say, uh, get an SDR, but, um, like honestly for drones, it's not even buying a drone. Um, I've had people, uh, pop into my DMS and if you have questions, feel free to hit me up in my DMS, whoever's listening. But, um, the best way to start, if you want to learn about drones and get into like FPV and the hobbyist stuff, buy a decent controller. Don't buy iFlight. I hated that controller. Um, don't buy what? I'm sorry. Like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the iFlight Commando 8. Okay. Uh, do not buy that for the love of God. Uh, buy like, you know, a Zorro or the Radio Master makes great radios. Uh, radio Master, hands down. Um, there's some other good stuff out there. But buy the radio and then uh, find a sim. Like, uh, I, I like Liftoff. Uh, I might be biased because that's what I started off on. But uh, Liftoff, there's like Trip FPV, uh, Uncrash. There, there's all kinds of stuff on Steam. But you can just hook your controller into the computer and fly and have fun with it. See if you like it. Uh, if it's something that you actually want to get into, because now, um, like, for starters, it's not a bad time to get started, just because they've dropped so much new stuff. Um, like the old DJI FPV version two goggles, they're going for like four hundred some bucks, uh, which is amazing. Because not only can you do DJI, like their FPV system, but you can also get an analog receiver and uh, plug it into the side. Um, 
it looks great. Uh, the goggles are great. I hate D- <laughs> I don't hate DJI. Like it is DJI, but uh, they do make some decent stuff if you want to go that DJI route. Uh, personally, I went with the HD Zero stuff. Uh, their stuff, their goggles are like way on back order, so they're impossible to get right now. But like uh, very versatile. Um, I wouldn't recommend just buying analog goggles right now, even though they're they're so cheap. You could start off with that um, if you're looking to save some money and you're still not sure about it. Um, and then obviously buying a, a bind and fly drone if you're going the hobbyist route. Starting off, um, um, if you just want observation, you know, like you're talking about search search and rescue, definitely recommend uh, if uh, DJI. You know, if if you get a uh, Mavic or Peridonafi, I've heard some mixed reviews about that. Autel, uh, some people that I've talked to do actually like their Autel. Okay, so but there are like some actual simulators out there that we could start off with. Uh, you were saying on Steam. So basically, we all we'd have to do to kind of get started and start learning is get a controller, and then we've got basically a simulator we can use, so we're not risking, you know, crashing a fairly expensive investment. How do those um, how do those simulators work? Do they use like um, do they have them like Google Maps or Google Earth imaging? So we can oh, kind that of... would be badass. <laughs> that would be. Uh... You can build like maps. It's it's more for like uh, liftoff, especially a uh, little more racing. Um, but yeah, like you said, like you'd save a lot of money, uh, a lot of crashing starting off. I mean, uh, I recommend at least like forty hours in the flight sim. But it's it's super simple. Like the controller uh, comes ready to go. You just plug it in, and you select it as a joystick, and it just the computer recognizes it. Uh, super simple. That's really cool. I had no idea that there were simulators out there because I think that might be something that kind of holds some people back because, you know, the drones aren't exactly cheap to get into, but like people still want to learn and there's, you know, there's risk involved with that. What are some of those, uh, what do some of those controllers normally run? Like what kind of investment are we looking at just from that perspective? Yeah. So you can get it. I think the Zoro is going for. You can get it for less than 140. I think. Um, That's not bad. You shouldn't be. No, and honestly, like for a controller, because that's your bread and butter. That's what you use on all your drones. Um, pretty inexpensive. And I even went with the foreign one. So like, uh, it works with FR Sky receivers. Um, if you're wanting to run, and this is like the different protocols that uh, the receivers run. But so if you're trying to run ELRS, Express LRS, um, you can get like an external module. Like for my uh, for my Zoro, I have an ELRS external module, and it actually pumps out more power than my actual controller, so it's even better. Um, but yeah, so I went with the foreign ones because FR Sky, you can fly little mini whoops and have fun with it. Um, those are the most common receivers. ELRS is the up and coming most common. Um, and you can plug in the module on the back. Uh, there's a, so team black sheep, they're more the proprietary stuff. Uh, they have some external modules. Um, they, they actually have their own proprietary like controller system that if you wanted to invest in some of that stuff, uh, I think Bard, Bardwell was talking about, uh, Joshua Bardwell 
a great YouTube channel for those starting out. Highly recommend checking out all of his videos. If you have a question and you're like not sure about something, Bardwell, I guarantee, has made a video on it. Um, he was saying that TBS, they're they're coming out with like encryption, maybe on their uh, their receiver protocol. So like uh, the packets and I think even the telemetry would be encrypted. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but that would be awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, finally it's a game changer. S- still, yeah. though, you know, it's just like radio. Uh, you got an encrypted drone signal out there. Uh, doesn't mean it can't be detected. Just means it can't be intercepted. Or I guess it can be intercepted. It's just it can't be listened to. You're not you don't have open access to it. Yeah, but still, there's a you know a redundancy there, a layer of protection, kind of like we were talking about on the episode with C5. Uh, the the objective there is to tie up assets and manpower, gives you an opportunity to get ahead. So for all you guys listening out there, uh, if you want to learn more about Comsec, go check out that episode. Very informative. Um, I guess the next question when it comes to Comsec, or sorry, OPSEC uh, and drones, how do you keep your piloting location uh, secret? How do you keep your piloting location safe? Is there is there a way that some somebody can, uh, without hijacking telemetry data, uh, kind of detect where you're flying from? Yeah, so that's actually something I've been trying to dive into. Uh, as for DJI, obviously that radio ID, you can spoof it, um, with, if you have a a phone, uh, connected to your controller, you know, using fake GPS or whatever, um, spoofing that GPS location would help. Um, and you can, it's funny because you can set it to whatever position you could set it to maybe Moscow or something. Um, but as far as like hobbyist drones, uh, there is nothing right now. Uh, that there, uh, the FAA is putting out that remote ID requirement. Um, it's still in the works. I haven't even, I I know that they put out like prototypes for this remote ID module. Um, it's not very popular. Uh, basically if you don't fly it, you're a criminal and, and that's wrong because criminals are going to do that anyways. Um, but yeah, remote ID would give a lot of that information. Um, a lot of people don't like that because like me as a FPV hobbyist, I don't need, I have enough Karens, you know, coming over to me in the park telling me, Hey, like they have a problem with me flying, even though it's uh, not flying over them. I'm not doing anything to harm them. They just want to yell at me. Well, you're in California. So remote ID giving them my location. (laughs) Yeah. Just, (laughs) just deal. Dude. Uh, but yeah, like I don't, I don't think, and like, especially with when you got goggles on, it's so hard to have situational awareness. Um, <laughs> I don't need some Karen coming out just like screaming in my face and I didn't see it coming. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a funny God. mental image. <laughs> they're, they're out there for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, right, man, <laughs> But yeah, and that's like an optional thing. Like you have to add it to your drone and that's extra weight. It's just, it's dumb. So I posted about that OTG receiver a while back. Um, but if you put like a directional antenna on it, it would take some time, obviously, but, um, you could figure out where the drone, uh, was 
using that directional receiver, uh, just, you know, waving it around and seeing where the signal is coming from and triangulate. Um, what about is, is there a way you if, could if, program an entire flight path and objective for the drone and then you just launch it, press start and it's going to come back. You don't need the controller or anything like that. Is there, is there, is there yeah. stuff like that out there? Yeah, you can. Um, it's, uh, something I haven't messed with. So there's like different firmware for the flight controllers. That's like the CPU. Um, like I run beta flight and there's like clean flight, Libra flight, whatever, all those. But then what you're talking about. So like GPS stuff, obviously you have to have a GPS module that can get satellites. And then, uh, you can flash your flight controller with iNav or RD pilot, or, uh, I think Mavlinks out there. There's some other stuff, some other flavors. But yeah, and then you just uh, you go into your program, uh, program some uh, flight path, and, and just fly it. I know a lot of fixed wing guys that experiment. They they like to see how far they can push their their drone out. They like to use the flight paths. What happens? I guess. Well, we we know what happens to a fixed wing if it um, has an error. It's just going to go down, right? But I guess. A quadcopter, though, like, you know, say your signal's lost. Is is there, like, a default recovery protocol built into it? No. Is there, like, is there or I guess a yeah, default so, recovery procedure where it's going to, like, and I've heard of them, like, they, they just automatically go home. Yeah, so you can actually configure that. It's called, uh, it's called failsafe. And, like, in Betaflight, you can go and program the failsafes. Um, one is going to be drop. So the, the drone just drops. Uh, the other one can be land, which it just sets the motors at like a certain speed and it just like lowers it to the ground. And then the third one is like you said, return to home, which you have to have a GPS module for. Um, and you can actually program those for fixed wing as well. Uh, some of those fail safes. So you don't lose your drone in the ocean. So we got to build like <laughs> a self-destruct feature. <laughs> you can test it, it one time on itself. <laughs> like like one ounce of c4 with a bunch of bbs <laughs> kamikaze drones <laughs> <laughs> so can you can you imagine deer hunting with a kamikaze drone <laughs> i mean they have they have ballistic this i don't know if we're testing self stuff i've i figured out i I've actually got a fair amount of powdered iron oxide at work. So <laughs> speaking of ballistics, um, Reaper posted a video the other day of one of those uh, Boston Dynamics ground ter- uh, terrestrial drones. Uh, you talked about where the points are on it if you're interested in disabling it. <laughs> to shoot it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said use green tips because it's probably going to be armored. Is there? Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, the, quest, the, the answer to this question is it probably doesn't exist in the civilian market. But are you aware of anybody doing any kind of armor plating on drones? That I don't think they are. Uh, I could see that on like a tethered drone, like a, a drone that you run the cable to the ground. Um, if you're using that for video, like if you, if you're throwing it up for, uh, surveillance, uh, for an extended period of time and maybe you had a camera on there or something, I could see where some armor would be beneficial, but 
uh, just the weight, it, it doesn't make it worth it. Yeah. I would think the weight of that would significantly draw from the overall flight time. Oh, yeah. It's just added weight for, for almost nothing. Yeah, no kidding. Like, would you see... Would you see drones like that, for instance, in use by San Francisco Police Department? Would they have... Like, do you think the signals on those would be encrypted enough to prevent someone from taking control of one? Uh, yeah. Pro- so, oh man, are you talking about for observation? Like, uh, I do know Sentinel Society. He posted some videos about um, drones being used for CQB clearing houses and stuff like that. Um, and and I definitely see, yeah, like the public safety. Um, sector probably using that encryption there i mean they've got enough money some of those departments they could they could be looking at enterprise drones way more capabilities than than any of your any of your common civilians are gonna have i think we're still just scrolling through the list to see what other questions we hadn't covered um, we covered some stuff i didn't even think about um, and i'm sure there's a whole list of <laughs> topics that i'm unaware of questions i don't know that i need to be asking but um, as a civilian, you know, anybody who's going to get started, it's, it's kind of like, uh, getting into radio. You're going to want to get into the ham radio side of radio to become familiar with radio enough to experiment with it. What are the FCC regulations on drones? Um, what kind of licensure do you need to go out and fly a drone? Um, there's gotta be some limitations out there. Like, obviously you can't go fly a drone at an airport. Yeah, <laughs> um, you probably uh, can't fly a drone over somebody else's private property, you know. But like, what kind of laws and, and legal uh, parameters exist, and what kind of licensure is available? Yes. Oh man. So the FCC, uh, you're not supposed to transmit over 25 milliwatts for video, uh, unless if you have a ham license, uh, and you're also when you fly, you're supposed to have an observer, um, which obviously I adhere to all laws. So, um, yeah, limit your VTX to 25 milliwatts. Uh, find public air, airspace. Uh, oh man, I, I think it was Protovoid. He did some some posts about uh, how to check where where to go fly in airspace, um, and I followed up. It, uh, ATAC. If a lot of people that I've talked to have ATAC on their phones, if not, I think there's like air map or whatever, but those, uh, those flight maps, uh, they, I think they're called no tans. I forgot. Um, but they have like airspace and you just, or you could use, uh, oh man, Onyx hunt, uh, that shows you where the public land is. If you just go fly on public land, um, and then check the airspace, uh, you're pretty much good to go. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of people come up to me, like if their private land is adjacent, as long as your drone is, is over public land, like that BLM land, then, then you're good to go. Um, you're not supposed to fly above an altitude of, uh, man, 400 feet. I, I forgot. It doesn't matter. I don't fly that high, but yeah, there's like altitude check check your uh airspace um 
honestly, just if if you're new and you're not sure where to where to fly, uh, check out like local hobby stores. Usually have FPV pilots lurking around or uh, Facebook uh, FPV groups, meetups, and stuff, and just go pick their brain. Um, some of them are pretty cool. That's a good idea. I say some because there's a lot of FPV pilots that probably don't agree with a lot of the info that gets put out about drones. But are there any drone clubs yeah, out just, there? Just, you know, like we have ham radio clubs. Um, is there anything like that? I mean, I know there's a million Telegram channels and Instagram pages and Facebook chats, and uh, you could probably go to stuff like Meetup.com and figure something out. But yeah, Craigslist. Um, no, <laughs> there's a. There's some pretty good clubs. Uh, Facebook will have a couple and you'll just meet up at like uh, there might be an RC park or they might meet up at like a soccer, the soccer fields or whatever. Go fly. Um, There's a lot of pop up races. Um, A lot of racers fly freestyle. So that's a good spot to to meet people and network. Right on. That's awesome. I need to remember that. I should go check something out like that just to kind of. Oh, dude, just yeah. go pick their brain. And like, dude, for the longest time, I was I was struggling to get a drone in the air, and um, just got into an RC group and just started asking questions. Because Reddit, if you ask a question on Reddit, you'll get every single answer. Reddit man, is and, and one a of disaster. Like, you gotta figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Um, but yeah, so like those those dudes, they know what they're doing. They'll help you get. In there. Are they pretty? Uh, open and willing to communication about drones and yeah it, it, it depends so you, um, so you mentioned a um there's like a a limit on how much power you could transmit for video if you didn't have a license how does that change if you do have a license yeah so if you have a ham license i'm not i'm not sure if the faa like i don't think any faa agent has ever even checked someone and been like are you are you transmitting above 25 like I don't think they'd ask for your life. And then like ham radio, as long as you're in the database, you're good. So that's where it's kind of fuzzy. It's like, I mean, how would they know? You'd have to like tell people that you're transmitting well over and not having a license and telling people that you're doing illegal things, which I definitely don't condone. Don't, don't do that. Right. But so following that same, train of thought like legally then if you have a ham license how much power are you allowed to transmit as far as i'm tracking like uh the most reliable transmitters that are high powered i don't even think i mean if you test it so you you could probably get your vtx out to one watt um i know that there's some out there that are much higher than that um but like the reliable ones even um, one watt is a huge upwards. jump from uh, 25 milliwatts. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, and that's more your long-range stuff, the analog stuff. Um, and if, if you're just getting into drones, I wouldn't recommend just jumping into the long-range stuff because the VTXs are uh, a lot more costly, a lot more power, uh, a lot easier to mess up, and then it's, it's a very costly mistake. Um, yeah, just be careful with it. But yeah, uh, ham ham license I'm tracking. Uh, it opens up certain frequencies that your video can transmit on, and then also um, the power level. That's wild. Okay. 
I didn't know there was. Is that it? Uh, I guess that's its own ham license. It's not like something that. No, yeah, it's just the ham radio license. It, and some dude, uh, I forgot what post it was, like, was getting on me about using the ham radio license on a drone post. And I was like, dude, like, <laughs> first off, get with the times. And second off, figure out what ham license means. That's fascinating. So I guess your technician license covers you for drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like I said, man, it's there, there's a lot of crossover. And, like, you don't you don't realize it until you're like messing with some stuff and you're like, Oh man, how could I get some range? And then you're going through the rest of the UR and, uh, you know, making a, a seven, uh, was the seven helical twist antennas trying to get more range and understand you just understanding line of sight and directional comms and stuff that it, it goes a long way. That's good stuff, man. Um, that's really, good. you know, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit, terrified to step into the drone world because I've already got a long list of very expensive stuff that I want to buy and <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm going to like like it too much and <laughs> yeah don't fly F freestyle because it will suck your wallet dry yeah I'm, I'm right there with you Jake that's like I that's one of the things that I want to get into but I don't want to even think about trying to make that investment yet because it's even just after this conversation drones is still its own huge rabbit hole almost entirely separate from comms and with everything else that everything else that like i've got going on right now i don't know that i can add anything else to my plate but just going back to that whole simulator thing just knowing that i could get just a controller and hook it up to a simulator and start learning like that like that's that's making it sound a whole lot more attainable than I originally thought. Like I, before this, I used to think I'd have to go out and spend like $500 on an off the shelf DJI to get started. And that just makes it like that. It's hard to make that jump sometimes. I just need to meet somebody who's into uh, small unit tactics and self-defense stuff and wants to be a part of the group and who has this stuff ready to go and they're already doing it that that's the ideal then i don't need <laughs> to go spend so much time and money and uh educate myself on it i can just you know hey what do you got show up what put that thing in the air what can you do for us you know we need a we yeah, need a drone specialist in our group that's what i'm trying to say it's good to have friends. It's a rough life in combo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing we didn't talk about, tethered drones. Um, um, I've seen some videos of, of tethered drones where they just kind of park above a vehicle. So there's a GPS unit in the vehicle and there's a GPS unit on the tether on the drone. Uh, and the drone is tethered with Cat5 or Coax or something down to the vehicle. And so it's streaming its uh, video feed down. Uh, it's got a, a power cable going up to the drone, and it can stay in the air basically indefinitely, and it just tracks that vehicle. Yeah. Where you're going to have a problem with that is if you're crossing power lines or uh, tree canopy or something like that. But, I mean, if you're driving around, like, open property, yeah, you know, that's pretty that's – a, that's a game changer right there, man. You've got a permanent or semi-permanent fixture in the air 
uh, eyes on the ground from an elevated position at all times. Yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about with the fence. And then I know you guys wanted to talk about uh, like mesh tastic nodes or a repeater or something, uh, being able to attach something to that. Yeah, that's where I was like, that's that's another that's where I was going to go next was. Dude. How can we get a repeater <laughs> yeah. on a drone? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Single frequency repeater. You just, just throw a note on that boy. Um, like I tell people though, like what you were saying is it, it's got to be comms windows because like, yeah, you could have it up there indefinitely, but then you got to think about, okay, what's the situation? Uh, how long do I need to be running it for? How long can the drone motors handle running? Um, before you need to get the drone down and maybe uh, let it cool off, um, but yeah, you could there, dude. The the possibilities are endless. Like you could throw, you could throw a camera feed up there. It could either transmit or it could be hardwired back down. The power supply could be routed up there and be indefinite power. Uh, attach a mesh node up there, and like you said, if you attach it to a vehicle, if you were able to control it too. Like you'd have unlimited power, but you'd be able to to duck it under, uh, duck it under stuff. That would be cool. I didn't even think about that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, and then like capabilities lead to limitations. If you can control it, then it can be hacked or whatever. But double edged sword. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was um, that was one of the things that kind of got me interested in drones. Was it was. I was actually talking with a child of Darlet um, months ago, back before back before he got the band hammer. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> um, but we like one of the things that we talked about was putting like a single frequency repeater on a drone. There's something like that in DMR, you've got something that's you know a a High Terra 982 PD 982 or even. I think the BTEC 6X2 Pro now, I think they have single frequency repeater built in. So just being able to put one of those on the bottom of the drone, just do like a 90 degree SMA connector on the antenna and being able to send that up. I remember he had some, uh, he had some bad results the first time trying to put his um, Gotenna Pro on his drone. Apparently the, the metal clip from that Gotenna Pro was actually part of the ground plane for the antenna, and the way he clipped it on, it actually, I think he said it fried some of the circuitry in the batteries itself, and it just messed the whole thing up. Like he had to oh. buy new batteries to get it working again. That's crazy. I think I didn't know that. those aren't cheap. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Another thing, uh, I know Mark Three uh, experiments with is like war flying. Uh, I think for your axon or exxon. Um, so like, you know, gathering uh, IPs, if you're in an urban environment trying to get some intelligence collection, you know, um, even just attaching your phone and running Wiggler or whatever, but uh, war flying and, and collecting some intel that way. Um, dude, uh, I think in Ukraine, they're attaching Seaburn stuff to it you could attach a seaburn collection agent like to to recon a route for seaburn it's hmm. just like whatever you can think of like you can you can do it you can attach it that's fast all man. kinds stuff, of possible. Man. good stuff man yeah. so uh switching gears 
What do you think about ham radio? <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, ham radio is changing for the better. Uh, just I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's an echo chamber on Instagram, but I think uh, all all these comms pages popping up, man. It's good to see. Um, especially the info that's getting put out. Oh yeah, no doubt, man. This this our our chat is probably one of the most rich educational resources out there at least for myself <laughs> yeah it's lit i i'm kind of feeling the same thing as uh communications workspace there that um you know i kind of think it's changing for the better too it's it's still definitely very full of fuds and i think it gets a uh, i think it gets a bad reputation for that but at the same time for people who are trying to like start getting into comms like I've, I've recommended it time and time again and comments on my posts. I get a lot of people asking me like, how do I get started? How do I learn more? And I mean, obviously we all know that ham radio is not like the end all be all answer to comms, but even just studying for the technician test, even if you don't go take it, even if you don't go get your license, just studying for the test is going to explain so much of the terminology and how things work and just once you know all that going through and seeing a bunch of the posts on Instagram, everything will start to make so much more sense and things will start to kind of fall into place and you'll get a better picture of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely agree. I think in like there's plentiful number of resources pages that you can just reach out to and talk to and they answer questions for you. It's there. This was not here. Uh, a number of years ago, I'll even two that. years ago. I mean, this is still a pretty new thing. You know, my page is only a year old and, and I'm amazed that I've gotten as many followers as I have. I just kind of started this just, just for fun, just so I could, you know, network with other people who are doing the same thing I'm doing and learn from them. And it, it turned out to be something that I could never even imagine. And now we're doing this podcast, you know, and I mean, we're, we're, yeah, I'm not. I'm nobody special. I'm just a regular guy that likes communications and radio, and it's part of my, uh, you know, preparedness plan. Dude, just want to say thanks for having me on. By the way, um, been listening to all the podcasts. It's it's definitely it's helping the community like this much substance, and you guys are just like pumping them out too. Um, like <laughs> somebody could just sit down and and just start listening to the podcast and like pluck out keywords, things that they get interested in and just go from there. Like it's, it's, Oh dude, phenomenal. I was even way I was better talking than, about uh, with Tito, you know, like anarcho bacon, that dude has so much knowledge on LMR radios and hardware <laughs> and CPS and firmware and stuff that you can do to hack your radio. And, you know, we, we had the conversation and then I went through and edited it. It was like, man, I need to go through this after I post it with a notepad just so I can take notes on my own podcast. And just, <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, seriously, there, was, there was stuff in there that I wanted to pull out and go spend some time researching. And, um, you know, it's, it's all, there's just so much, there's so much to talk about and, and the knowledge share is so rich and I love it. It's great. And, and, and I do not understand the whole 
argument from people calling us gatekeepers. Like there is not, <laughs> there's not a single page that I've reached out to or I've talked to that just hasn't been more than helpful answering questions like that. Gatekeeping just doesn't really seem to exist in what we're doing, aside from actual ham fuds, not what we're being accused of. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're encouraging people to uh, step into the gray area, even. Um, Yeah. You know, that's 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 not exactly gatekeeping. It's not exactly wise either. But, you know, where I think that comes from is kind of a couple things. Primarily, you know, I think within our circle, a lot of the pages in our chat, I'm not going to name names, but there are some very strong opinionated posts out there to stop using analog and especially stop using the bow fang. The joking about bow fangs and the fang shame and all that stuff, that can definitely be taken the wrong way. I think uh, some of the stuff has been a reaction to us kind of strongly and jokingly push that you know i mean you think about it if if all you can afford is a baofeng and all you have is a baofeng and then you get on and you see a bunch of these pages that are sharing a whole bunch of information talking shit about a baofeng you'd be like well i can't afford anything else like come on give me a break man you know i think i think yeah. that's a, a source the the, yeah. the, the, I- the flip side of that is a lot, of the, a lot of the people yelling gatekeeper are in the echo chamber that is the internet whether it's you know reddit or Instagram, or you name it. But, you know, they're they're sitting behind their screen all day. They, they own the gear, but they're not testing it. They're not trying to figure out how can I use this thing? What What is it capable of? How can I hack it? Uh, you know, they, they own it. It sits on their shelf, and, and that's about it. And, you know, it becomes trendy at that point to just kind of echo, gatekeeper, gatekeeper. I'm on the fence if it even if it gets people like it kind of gets people into comms, but also there's so many other ways like an SDR you can still use for collection. You can uh, there's there's other pieces of equipment that teach comms and that's where it's kind of like and I have there's I have no shame. I started off with a bow thing, but like looking back on it based on experiences like there's other tools you can can start off with to learn and and like. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, so the Baofeng is, uh, you could technically use it as a jammer. Okay. That, that's a possibility. Um, and like the Kamikaze drones, they're using cheap analog VTXs that are 30 bucks that are like Baofeng equivalent. So like there, there could be some uses, but then people, people parade them around and, and Baofeng turns into this buzzword. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it detracts from, people actually trying to learn comms and then they just settle with the bow thing and, and they don't learn comms. They don't dive into that stuff. So that that's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I also got shamed <laughs> for using a bow thing. I used to post uh, a decent amount about my bow thing, you know, um, just stuff that I had learned and, and uh, you know, got hated on. Um, I think it's, it's more of a rite of passage, but, and then also like we were saying earlier, it's, it's a uh, met TC. Dependent. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of some of the, uh, some of the fang shaming on, uh, on social media, but it's kind of unfortunate because 
you know, if you just try to put some informational or educational stuff out there, just that alone doesn't always grab the attention and posting something like, you know, just tossing a Baofeng off to the side and then just, like, I didn't even say anything in that video. I just tossed a Baofeng off to the side and I sent an SMS from one DMR to another. And for some reason now I have an insane following for that. Like that's, that's <laughs> it gets attention now. And it's, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of good information out there, but people aren't getting it unless it's something inflammatory that is, you know, in some cases it's pissing people off. I don't necessarily want to go that route to get people's attention, to get them to start asking questions, but that's kind of where it's gone. Because all, like all the questions I get for people asking me, you know, where do I get started? If they don't have any experience yet, I still think um, <clears throat> a bow thing is a good way to kind of get their feet wet. And I'll say that with the caveat that it's not like it's been said before: the bow thing is not the finish line. Like it's not quality gear that you can trust. Like I've, I've said it before, I've had several fail on me when I, once when I needed them, but just a couple other times, you know, doing whatever, but they're not like, I, I'm trying to relate my experience to people that they don't, they're not trustworthy. They, you can't, you can't always bet on them working. Yeah, so, for sure. Like, I, like we had one for my wife's backpack that just lived in her car for the last several years. And I'll get it out every now and then. I'll make sure it's charged. I'll make sure the programming's good. I'll get into a couple of repeaters just to test it, make sure it's working. And I did that last weekend, weekend before, and it was working fine. And then halfway through the week, uh, my wife brought it back to me, and it just doesn't turn on anymore. Like at all. <laughs> I've had that. Put it on the charger. Yeah. Put it on the charger, change the battery, nothing. It's just done and it worked fine several days before. But so that's, that's kind of where I'm trying to go, but there's, there's still no other option for radios really that you can get basically everything you need right off of Amazon from one link for $25. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really the kicker right there though, is Amazon. And then, like dudes will see the the lower price point, but they don't understand that. Like if you're in the if you're building a drone, you please do not buy parts off Amazon. Like some parts, like you can buy props off Amazon, but do not buy electronics. They, they're hit or miss. Uh, it's just I've had horror stories of receivers coming, and I got to update. It's just don't do it. And like. That's the thing is like it's so easy to put it all in one cart on Amazon and yeah, but I'll I'll have it tomorrow. It two days later, so so why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be dead. Like <laughs> <this day. laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. For drone stuff, just uh, if if you're looking at buying drone stuff, I use Get FPV. Um, there's some other, uh, I think Race Day Quads. Just <laughs> don't. Don't buy drones off. Well, yeah, I don't know if y'all knows. noticed this, but lately it seems like Amazon is nothing but just Chinese junk. 
across the board, like you name it, like it's, it's there used to be like I remember when I first started shopping on Amazon, I was like, this is great. There's some cool stuff on here and it's affordable. Now, you know, go on Amazon like I was looking for T-shirts the other day, I was looking for like a five pack of T-shirts and I went on Amazon. And I was like, this is all just like shit quality clothing. Like what happened to like the like everything on Amazon sucks now? Like what's going on? Just just yeah, an observation. They just throw junk at you. I don't even get two day shipping where I'm at anymore. Man, we, we're still uh, paying. We have same day shipping here, but we got. I'm a DFW man. We got hubs on every corner of this metro metropolitan area. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah, dude, Kelly and, Kelly and I'm in a town of about eight thousand. So, yeah, we don't really get anything too fast out here. Up but, there in Idaho. Well, <laughs> yeah, kind of a uh, kind of backpedaling a little bit. It seems like so many people are just looking for the easy button for everything. Yeah, for, whether it's that's what it is. Com, yeah, comms or drones, and Amazon really just feeds into that. But there's so much, so much more that goes into it. Yeah, like just uh, buy a Baofeng in a in a DJI <laughs> Mini Two, call good. Yeah, and I mean that that may work for some people, but it could get your feet wet. Yeah, 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 it will. And like I've said, I'll I'll still recommend I'll still recommend a Baofeng for someone to just get their feet wet as long as they understand that it's you know a toy that they can learn on. Yeah, but same. Yeah, and then like I have a hard time recommending. That stuff, because then it's like you're you're throwing money at the learning process. Whereas, like, there are a lot of people out there that have done the learning process for you, that have spent that money for you, and that's where it's like really hard. Because I hate, I hate throwing money at learning when when other people have already done it. And like, if if somebody's telling you, hey, you know, do this because X, Y, and Z, and like just learning from their mistakes is is the better way is if it saves you money because like not all the listeners out there are just going to be like i for one am not rolling in dough right yeah. now like it's and all these projects and like the learning curve on on stuff it's it's uh it's hard to to just jump into stuff like that and like i think it's it's honestly it's getting better a lot of pages are are going through that learning process and posting about it and, and showing people, Hey, like I've learned this, this is why I'm buying X, Y, and Z. And and it's helping people out more than just chilling a radio for, you know, whatever. I I don't know. I think the community is getting, I don't like throwing money at it. I, I get that some people don't like throwing money at the learning process, but there's also, there's some people out there who learn, who learn by doing, who learn by getting hands-on. Like, they can read as much as they want, but until they actually start doing it for themselves, there's that, like, there's that, like, tactile learning that they're not going to get any other way, if that makes sense. Dude, definitely. I, uh, <laughs> Operation Mesh is going to kill me. But we, uh, we were talking about, like, a business plan. Dude, if you could set up, like, drone workshops, I think, uh... Like uh, the army is doing it, it's the 82nd Airborne Innovation Labs. But like, you come in, 
and they have the hardware there and you can get hands-on and build stuff and flash firmware and, and toy with stuff and um and actually build it out like dude you could make a killing <laughs> talking business plans but you could make a killing if you had like a, a radio shack 2.0 and it's just like ham radios and drones hands-on and 3d printing and all cool stuff that dude have workshops every a weekend. A place that doesn't ask you for your call sign when you walk in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much space for classes to expand. Just in some of the stuff that we're seeing on Instagram now, if people can figure out how to put on classes for all of it, so many different ways for people to learn stuff. Like we've had we've had all kinds of different firearms classes for how many years now? And we're only just starting to see some of that expand into some of these other realms like palms classes or potentially drone classes. Yeah, I I don't understand why the market isn't there. I know that there's a lot of money in drones and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the classes are, are a little steeper and they're geared more towards like Leo. Or I think the market is there. It's just people aren't looking for it yet. Like if they found out it was there, oh, definitely, it would probably be a different story. So, <laughs> I don't understand. I, there is a demand for it, and uh, I actually had a conversation with a hobby store um, before I moved, and like this dude was saying that he didn't want to get into drones because the technology changed too much, and I was like, dude, that is exactly why you get into drones because you can just sell more product month after month. But like. I the demand is definitely there. Like people want to get into this stuff, and uh, it, it it does get expensive. But like I think, like for drones specifically, you just get that controller and just start flying, and you get that bug. And uh, enough people have figured it out already, and the technology's there. Like the reviews are there. Joshua Bardwell, like a couple years ago, there was nobody like that. It was just like DIY, figure it out. Uh, it it's out there, so dude, maybe Radio Shack makes it come back. I'm just saying. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. I I like the Radio Shack two point idea. That's a <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> let's make it happen. Maybe we can do it. <laughs> yeah, let's get, get into business. No, I think it'd be fun. Run yeah, for shops. sure. <laughs> let's start uh bringing this one home. Communications workspace. Thanks for coming on, man. Um uh, yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. This has been a topic awesome. I've uh, wanted to explore for a while. So, thanks for sharing all your knowledge and having the discussion. Um, tell us, uh, tell the community where where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, just uh, just a dude on the internet, communications workspace on uh, Instagram. Uh, and if you have any drone questions, hit me up. Uh, there's a drones highlight. There's a lot of people listed. There's a lot of people not listed. Um, you know, just uh, hit those pages up if you have any questions. And, Fantastic, yeah. man. And we got res- resilient civilians sitting in for Tito, Andy. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, I'm also on Instagram, just at resilient civilian. Um, and Jake, thanks again for having me back on. This was a this was a great conversation. This was a good time. Absolutely. And the invite is always open. Uh, both of you guys are welcome back anytime. Uh, same goes for any any of the guests that we have. I put this out there in our group chat. I don't want this thing to be just about me or to be my show. You know, I, I'd love to have y'all 
involved. So y'all got any ideas for podcasts? Y'all want to host the discussion? Let me know, man. I'll make it happen. Yeah, man. Let us know what feedback oh, for you sure. Get yeah, as we'll well do definitely. On the podcast. Definitely will. And I'm Jake. My page is Civil Sentinel. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably following already, so I appreciate it. But give us a like. Uh, go give us a follow on uh, Instagram and uh, leave us some feedback on your wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. And, Tell your uh, friends about it too. Yeah, spread the word. All right, everybody. Appreciate you stopping right. in and giving us a listen. Uh, Hell yeah, dude. We oh, will uh, see you on the next podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good night, guys. Talk to you soon.